We are Natalie and Matthias. We welcome you to our conversations with B2B ecosystem experts and platform founders. Our goal is to uncover what they learned and help you to launch and scale platforms, marketplaces and business ecosystems. Enjoy! to this new podcast in our series, Podcast for Future. I'm Nathalie Dumas-Lamborghini, and I'm here with my great co-host, Matthias Walter. Hi, Matthias. Hi, Nathalie. And today we've got the great pleasure uh, to welcome Mr. Tilo Kassen, who's Executive Manager at Prisma. Hi, Tilo. Hello, how are you doing? Great. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. So um, you're representing today uh, Prisma, who's a, a marketplace, and more specifically, a platform for managing uh, some uh, all the gas movements across Europe. Now, you're headquartered in Leipzig, so that brings uh, back memories to me. Uh, I, I spent about a year uh, over there some time ago when I was young. So, uh, you know, uh, sweet memories. And so uh, Prisma was founded in uh, 2005, and it's transporting today about 70% of the gas uh, across Europe. So what's interesting here is that in this session, we're going to talk not specifically about uh, uh, marketplaces, uh, but rather about stakeholder and shareholder management, which when we talk about, uh, uh, you know, platform establishing itself in Europe is really a big stake uh, compared to uh, uh, a platform establishing uh, itself in the US or China because we are a fragmented market. So this shareholder or and stakeholder uh, governance um, is really an important uh, uh, point that uh, we are going to uh, you know, hear from you about. So... Um, Without uh, much more uh, ado, I would uh, like to start with some questions. Tilo, can you uh, just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself first and uh, then about Prisma so uh, we understand what uh, you're doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Tilo. I'm executive manager here at Prisma. I'm responsible for the technical development and operations um, of our uh, trading platform. Uh, originally, I, I started working as a software engineer, moved into management and consultant um, a couple of years later uh, before I joined Prisma, which I then have accompanied for the last eight and a half years. Um, Prisma, uh, we are the leading platform for uh, buying and uh, trading um, network and storage capacity in Europe, so for the gas market. Um, basically, that means if you want to move gas from one country to another, you need to make use of the infrastructure, which you need to pay for. Uh, and these exit rights you can purchase via our platform. Can you give us a, a few numbers maybe to illustrate what we're talking about uh, in terms of activity? Yeah, so um, mo most people outside the gas market don't know us, uh, which is uh, mostly related to the fact that we are serving a very small niche uh, of European business if it comes to uh, numbers of market participants at least. So uh, we are a B2B platform um, serving two sides of the market. So the producer side, so the operators that are somehow 
selling the access rights to their networks and storages. Um, we have 45 of them on our platform. On the other market side, it's uh, more than 100 companies that we call the shippers. So they are the ones moving gas from one country into another. Um, and in terms of numbers of users, we have uh, more than 2,000 users on our platform. So looking at that order of magnitude, I think it's fair to say that it's rather small scale platform in terms of those numbers. However, if you look at the business that is conducted uh, via our platform, so uh, each year we have a 10 digit number of uh, transaction volume if it comes to money. And as Natalie introduced uh, a little bit, so around 70% of the gas market in Europe is um, kind of handled or managed via Prisma. So it's a, it's a big number. So it's just maybe a small number regarding the players you operate, but it's a big number looking at the whole gas market of Europe. Yeah, exactly. So geographically, we are covering um, the entire Western Europe, uh, Central Europe, Southern Europe, um, also the UK, despite the fact that they are not part of the union anymore, uh, and also Southeast Europe, like Greece, for instance. So we are not covering um, the Eastern part of the European Union. Uh, so this is covered by uh, some other smaller platforms. And um, so Tilo, we know each other for a while, so we have also worked to together. And um, what I've always found very, very interesting about Prisma is, um, how you have been founded, uh, what was the reason to establish Prisma? So maybe can you also give a short intro to our listeners about what was the reason and um, yeah, how you have been founded? Yeah, like, like I think if you look at our business model, we are very ordinary in many characteristics, but we are also very special in a few uh, characteristics. So um, I think one special part is that um, all, uh, we have a rather large shareholder group. So for the size of our company, we have um, 24 shareholders. Um, all of them are strategic shareholders, so um, no financial investors or like. Um, and those strategic investors are also all our customers. So uh, as I said, we have 45 um, operators on our platform, 24 of them are our shareholders. Um, and yeah, so I think that is a bit special case that you uh, have a, a relationship with one party, um, both a shareholder and a customer. Um, and that's also reflected in the purpose of the company, because in the end, the main driver is not now to create a profit for a shareholder, but to help the European gas market to work as smoothly as possible. So that is why that is a strategic stake that also our shareholders have in us. Um, and um, yeah, I think here we need to somehow cut a bit, but I will just continue. Um, so when we were founded like uh, 10 years ago, um, I think it's fair to say that the local uh, gas markets within Europe were working fairly well, but uh, the pan-European gas market was not working so well because there was a lot of friction between the local countries. And that was mostly due to the limited possibilities of accessing um, another country um, and moving gas from one country to another for various reasons. So there was needless transaction risk. Um, it was very intransparent um, for market participants to understand when and what conditions they can get actually access 
to uh, the adjacent market, for instance. And that led to the situation that there was very, very um, few competition in the local markets. And that is clearly not in the interest of the European spirit and the European idea of somehow having one common market that is somehow also reflected in uh, yeah, convergent prices and com prices across Europe, which is then in the end reflected in the yeah, European idea of providing equal conditions of life across the entire continent. Um, so there was a lot of pressure from the uh, European Union to change that situation. Um, and um, amongst all these um, instruments and initiatives that were launched back then, there was somehow the idea to create a platform the, where those access rights to the local networks can be purchased and also to create a set a common set of rules how that shall be conducted and uh, that back then there was a decision of some not all of the european um, transmission network operators to actually um, found a common platform in order to uh, stay in charge of that marketplace and that market. Uh, so, so in other thing in other industries, uh, there were similar initiatives that did not work so well because uh, the uh, network operators did not really uh, acted so active. I start again. Um, so in uh, other industries, there were similar problems that were solved differently. Uh, back in retrospective, I would claim that they were solved uh, more poorly. Um, so I think that also our case showed that if um, the producers in one market are somehow are actively engaged in a platform, um, that this is then actually helping also um, the market to work. Um, I think we can discuss in a minute maybe what's special about the gas market, maybe why it worked there and what we can learn from the others. But um, what we can say is that the gas network operators are somehow still in charge of these markets, despite the fact that the entire development was pushed very much by the European Commission, uh, Commission in, the, uh, in the origin. Thilo, I think uh, um, I'm uh, probably like uh, quite a few listeners, very curious to understand how you are first from a strategic point of view, and then maybe also from an operational point of view, how you are aligning on these shareholders and stakeholders? Because, okay, you're saying, oh, it's only, it's a small market, it's only 45, uh, but out of those 45 players, uh, 24 are both your shareholders and your customers, plus, I, I'm sure there's a sovereignty uh, uh, and even competition between some of the players. Uh, so yes, the, the the European Union pushed for it, but really, uh, you know, when once uh, the idea is out, let's uh, you know build a platform to uh, align everyone. Uh, can you tell us how you are going about aligning all those uh, and managing all those different and potentially competing shareholders and stakeholders. Yeah, uh, I, I think the main motivation uh, back then why why these companies actually joined forces and uh, did a common effort to found the platform was because they had a common problem because they knew that uh, eventually there will be a common platform and it was just a question who is in charge of it. Uh, so so uh, it was definitely for them the best option to actively cooperate instead of uh, somehow try to establish their own platforms or their own shops. Uh, 
um, and then there will be somehow the movement that is not under their control anymore to somehow merge all of that. Um, and I think a prerequisite why that is work is definitely that there was this common problem. Uh, so that there was also the common need to cooperate and which is still uh, valid today. Um, another prerequisite, uh, and I think this fair to say, is that there is not so much of direct competition. Uh, so, so since these network operators come all from different countries, I mean that they are somehow still looking after their own part of the market. Um, and then in most cases, uh, with a few exceptions, not directly competing. So, um, and in the end, they know that they can only somehow run also their market and their network if the cooperation with, with their neighbors work well. Yeah, just to look at uh, the case of France, for instance, like France is a rather big market for the consumption of gas, but there is almost non-domestic production of gas. So the gas must come from somewhere and a big transport route goes through Germany. So uh, France is highly interested, obviously, in cooperating with uh, the German market and vice versa, because uh, Germany is then also getting revenues just for the uh, transition uh, of, of gas from Czech Republic to France, for instance. So uh, I think there is a common interest that uh, also this cross-border cooperation uh, needs to work. Yeah, so, and I think they are all well aware that uh, none of them can solve uh, the common European problems alone. Uh, so, to what extent this can be transferred to some markets, I think, can be debated. Uh, but I think there are also other initiatives out there where uh, market participants have founded their common and joint platforms. Um, and I think. I don't know if it's a prerequisite, but I think it's still important to bear in mind is that um, the business of, of these companies is regulated. So they cannot really decide on pricing, for instance. So this is somehow then needs to be agreed with uh, local regulators. The same is local regulators then need to agree on the, I don't know how much a stamp costs, for instance, for mail or how much uh, power grids can charge and and the like. Um, so since this is, a, yeah, we're talking about infrastructure here, this is natural monopolies, which are regulated. Um, and I think this is why it might also require a certain mindset that this is not the wild west, but that you need to somehow consider certain rules anyhow. And I think this is all helping in somehow also then thinking about what is the, then the best common solution on a larger scale. Dear listeners, I hope you enjoy our podcast and you can learn more about building and scaling a successful platform business. I'm Matthias, CEO of Fastbreak One. And as you know, we at Fastbreak One are platform entrepreneurs by heart. Since over 20 years, we are building new platforms and this makes us one of the most experienced platform venture builders around the globe. If you are a corporate and you tried out different strategies, consultants, IT partners, but your platform initiative struggles to scale, please check out our assessment services. Learn more about our experience and our practices of work at our website www.fastbreak.one or send us an email to contact at fastbreak.one. And now let's go back to the conversation. So um, thanks for the great explanation. And um, to reflect on that, it clearly shows that there are multiple strategic advantages of companies looking to partner with other companies to build up a platform, especially in Europe with this highly fragmented market. 
But so looking from a strategy point of view, it all sounds very nice and reasonable. And uh, now let's go more, more into the details and maybe behind the scenes and uh, maybe so it's not, I think it's not that easy to bring those uh, stakeholders together. So maybe can you also talk a bit about um, what are some, yeah, some, 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 some crucial things you think needs to be, an, you have to put in place to align the stakeholders. So especially when you talk about the strategy of the, of the marketplace, the strategy about Prisma. So how can you align their different motivations and form a common strategy for Prisma? Well, yeah, as I said, I think um, in the end, it only works if people understand that there is a, a common objective, be it now a common problem or a common goal they want to achieve. Um, and um, that cooperation is then prevailing over competition in that regard. Um, now, behind the scenes, I mean, it's fair to say that if you have such a large uh, shareholder group, uh, they are all somehow coming from the strategic interest, not just looking that financial numbers are all right. Um, you need to spend, I would say, more time and energy in somehow aligning those, uh, which can be very at times. Um, so personally, I'm not too much involved to that. So this is mostly done by two of my colleagues in the executive management team. Um, however, I think the, that should not discourage anyone because the upside of the entire picture is that once you aligned everyone and uh, there's a common commitment and then to take a strategic uh, decision uh, and to change direction that there is a lot of tailwind for the execution uh, because in particular if uh, those parties that took the decision are the customers itself and um so it works for the for the gas market in Europe. Do you also think this could be a model for other markets in Europe? Well, I think it, it can be certainly a model for every market where um, like companies uh, need to decide between, okay, will I walk alone and will likely fail because I'm just too small and my influence on the bigger market is not big enough? Um, or is it better somehow to cooperate with others maybe even if they are my competitors. Uh, I think that's, I mean, might come across as a platitude, but you know what people say, that's better to grow the pie instead of somehow own a smaller pie. Um, and I think that is definitely the case also if you're thinking about platforms. Uh, and um, I, I'm not saying that the development towards platforms is inevitable, but I think that there are a lot of cases in various industry out there where you can say that if you're not moving, um, there will be someone others coming. Uh, so this maybe a lot of uh, a bigger pocket that can do things much quicker. Um, so I think cooperation is definitely a valid strategy that uh, might be forgotten sometimes. And I guess it's also a bottom-up, top-down approach because top-down, the European Union is pushing for it and bottom-up, the companies are realizing what you're saying, that if they don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. And uh, so it, it really, um, you know, I think in the industries where you've got this, uh, this push from the European Union um, and there is uh, on the ground quite a fragmented uh, set of uh, stakeholders, uh, it's probably applicable. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I, I think that maybe the biggest uh, 
change uh, for our uh, shareholders back then was not necessarily to cooperate uh, with others because they have been used to due to the nature of their business to cooperate with the neighbors anyhow. I think the biggest change back then for them was maybe their transition towards uh, the running that business on a digital level. Yeah, so, um, and that they had to get used also to the fact that all of a sudden they were shareholder of a digital company that they have not been dealing with before. Yeah? So that also things need to be done in a different way. Uh, um, and I think that is something that took some time also to develop that, um, yeah, recognizing that um, if you build IT, you do it another way than if you need to build a physical network. And um, you talked about the market size and, and, and sharing the pie and growing the pie. Um, so when we talk about the gas market, then gas is uh, natural energy, is fossil energy. And um, we, especially in Europe or the world, we have this problem of uh, our climate change and we want to go away from the fossil energy. So how do you see, is this, is this still a, a pie of uh, which will grow or do you see um, some other um, yeah, directions for this whole market of, of fossil energy and how will this also impact Prisma? Yeah, I, I think I think it would be very naive to believe uh, that uh, in the long run, talking in the next decade or even longer, that uh, the consumption of fossil energies will uh, be on the same level or it will even get bigger. So I think it's pretty clear to everyone in the society and also in the gas industry that there is not a bright future for fossil energy carriers. Uh, however, I think if you look on uh, more specifically on our business, like we are serving the um, European gas infrastructure, uh, not really the gas trading, gas production, gas consumption directly. And uh, what we will see in the next years, and I think that process already started, that the um, production, the domestic production of gas within Europe is declining much faster than the uh, consumption. So, so the need to move and transport gas also from, from uh, foreign sources is still there. And I think it's still very important. So in order to somehow secure um, yeah, the security of supply or also to provide uh, an efficient uh, mix of energy sources uh, while there's this transition uh, to renewable energy ongoing. Um, and then in the long run, obviously, you need to ask yourself, okay, how do you want to um, move and store that energy that might be produced by other sources? And um, so there, maybe if you want to create an analogy, so our business is, uh, yeah, the European gas network. So we can say this somehow the highways um, across Europe and On that highway, it does not necessarily matter um, whether there is uh, our cars going uh, that uh, run with combustion engines or whether uh, we are talking about electric vehicles. And so obviously the second option might be the more attractive one if it comes to sustainability. Um, and I think that's with the same what we now see in the gas industry that there is a movement towards um, pro uh, production of hydrogen uh, via certain procedures where you can use the electricity that might be abundant at times that is produced by wind, for instance. Um, and then it's a very interesting option to, to uh, yeah, 
use the networks and the storage facilities that are already existent that have been created uh, years ago and where you still have essence worth of billions in the ground uh, instead of creating a completely distinct and new infrastructure for this. Um, and I think the same applies also like if you find ways to plug those new renewable sources into an existent network that is not only helpful on a physical level, but you can or then immediately connect also on a commercial level to a well-working European market. So, and this is something that I think the entire gas industry will move to. Um, certainly, we're talking about smaller amounts of energy here. So it's a different order of magnitude at the moment, but every industry needs to start somewhere. And I think in the long run, that might be the much better alternative than somehow taking gas out of the ground uh, in some well rural places across the world and then moving it if you can maybe locally produce your um, hydrogen or also other kinds of gas uh, via renewable electricity sources so it's um so your, your your future is safe i would say uh and and it's uh, <laughs> at least for the next years and um but it's, it's it's really interesting to to learn your model about how you manage the stakeholders how you managed uh, and, and and establish a, a working governance model for all of your stakeholders and shareholders and um i'm more believing that uh, after this conversation that this could be really a good model also for europe and other markets to us um, yeah because platforms will be there and if you don't build a platform by yourself then someone else will come in and so it's better to join forces with your competitors or maybe some other partners and build a platform together based on this kind of aligned governance model um, so i really really like it um, coming to, to the end of our podcast, uh, of course, we could talk much, much longer, but um, we always close our podcast with a question to our guests. And uh, so based on the ex experience of building platforms, so what would be your maybe most important advice you would like to give to other leaders, executives on establishing platforms? Well, I think what's very important and i i believe that most of the people being in a platform business get that that uh, is the importance of the ecosystem um, however i think that a risk that many people uh, may take or may have is that if they try to somehow create a platform business model uh, that uh, is just put on another one's business model uh, then in order to somehow starting to exploit that ecosystem. Yeah? And I think that um, in the long run, this will not work. Uh, I think on the short run, yes. Um, but I think there are more and more trends out there. If you also see the big debate about to what extent you need to regulate platforms, uh, take the re just recent case about WhatsApp or whatsoever. So I think that also um, a very underestimated factor in the entire platform business uh, based on an ecosystem is trust. And I think there's a big risk that if you get too greedy, um, that you then somehow will uh, either lose immediately the trust or you will not even gain it. Um, and uh, then you will have not won anything. So I, I can definitely get a decent welfare uh, out of running a platform that is based on fair conditions uh, with all the stakeholders and uh, businesses in your ecosystem. Yeah, so, so I think tackling the entire um, 
development of your business model from a more cooperative perspective is something that I truly believe in instead of rather thinking on a short-term optimization on how you can get the most out of uh, the activities of others on your platform. Uh, uh, great advice. Thank you for that. And also for thank you for joining our podcast and um, telling us more about the Prisma, your model behind, etc. And um, I also invite every listener to have a closer look at prisma-capacity.eu to learn more about this uh, fantastic marketplace. Thank you, Tilo, for joining. Thank you. Thank you very much, Matthias and Tilo. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Fastbreak One, your platform venture builder. If you want to learn more about our services and how we help corporations to launch and scale platforms, please visit our website www.fastbreak.one. And don't forget to tune in in two weeks for a new episode.